Good morning, everyone. Um, it has been like 17 months since I've been up here to speak. And uh, the last time I was up here to speak, all the chairs were empty because it was still the middle of COVID and we weren't meeting in person and so on. So it's so good to look out there and see faces, all right? Most of which are smiling. Um, and you're lively this morning, and I love that. Uh, well, you were. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, when I was a kid, I hated to take a nap. Today, I love a nap. Do you like a nap? How many, how many of you would say that you take a nap at least once a week? Let me see your hands. Okay, great. You know, Sunday afternoon is a great time to take a nap. Wouldn't it be great if we could all go back to kindergarten? You remember what that was like where they had nap time or rest time? And, you know, like at 2 o'clock every afternoon, your boss walks in and announces, it's nap time, and you pull out a mat, maybe a pillow, and you just take a nap for like 30 minutes. I, it makes me wonder, would work productivity actually go up if we did something like that? Um, the Bible talks a lot about rest. I don't know if it talks about taking a nap that much, but it talks a lot about rest. Um, it's actually a pretty common theme. In fact, Genesis chapter 2, the first verse says this, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed on the seventh day. God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Now, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. This is the second chapter. So right at the start of the Bible, it's already talking about rest. Question for you. Why did God rest? You know he doesn't need to, right? Psalm 121, which is actually one of my favorite psalms, says that he never sleeps. And that's actually really good to know, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine needing to talk to God or you got something on your mind, you want to pray, um, express something to him, and you find out he's put his phone on do not disturb because he's taking a nap? We wouldn't like that, would we? So question again, why did God rest? You know why? He rested to set an example for us. Have you heard the term Sabbath? Um, we, it's actually a word that we just adopted right into English from Hebrew. We just borrowed the word because the Hebrew word is Shabbat. Maybe you've heard it pronounced that way, Shabbat. And I kind of like saying Shabbat better than I do Sabbath anyway. But Shabbat or Sabbath just means to cease, to end, or to rest. And you know, then and now, if you were to go to Israel, you would find that they're still practicing Shabbat um, from sundown on Friday evening till sundown on Saturday evening is Shabbat. And a lot of things just kind of shut down. I, I've been in Jerusalem on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, and the stores are closed, restaurants aren't open, family and friends tend to gather, maybe stay home. It's much more of... A restful day and that's what Shabbat is like and it's a big deal in Israel did you know it's also a big deal with God in fact when he was giving the Ten Commandments you've obviously heard of the Ten Commandments number four the fourth commandment was about the Sabbath 
there is more explanation given for the Sabbath, this commandment, than any of the other ones. Interesting, isn't it? In fact, here's this part. This is Exodus 20, verse 8. This is just part of what it says. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Then it says, on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, or any foreigners living among you. It was a big deal to God. That is what the Sabbath was all about. Now, just how big a deal was it to God? Check this out, Exodus 31. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. Yikes, you know. So like back then, if you worked on the Sabbath, it was lights out. Pretty big deal, I'd say. But you know, like so many things, over time, it lost its original purpose. The religious leaders came along, and by the way, by the time Jesus was on earth, those religious leaders were called Pharisees. But religious leaders came along And they decided to define for everybody what was work and what was not work. And they made all these lists of what you could do and you couldn't do on the Sabbath. There were actually 39 different categories of what defined work. 39 categories. So, you couldn't plow, you couldn't plant, you couldn't harvest on the Sabbath. That was work. That makes sense, right? We would agree with that. You couldn't wash clothes, you couldn't cook on the Sabbath. Some of you are like, hey, let's do this Sabbath thing, you know? Um, But it actually got ridiculous. It got a little out of hand. Like, you couldn't start a fire. You couldn't extinguish a fire. They define that as work. And you're going, what? Or how about this one? You couldn't write two or more letters of the Hebrew alphabet. One letter apparently was okay. But two or more, that was considered work. Um, If you were to go to Israel today you would find that there's something called Shabbat elevators in high-rises or in hotels that have a number of floors. And the reason there are Shabbat elevators, well, the, the way a Shabbat elevator works is it runs automatically. You don't have to push the buttons. And the reason for that is because when you push that button in the elevator, that makes an electrical connection. And guess what? That's like starting a fire. And you can't work on the Sabbath. I know. Sounds a little... Ridiculous, but that's what it became. And so, like, suppose you're staying in a hotel and you're on the 20th floor on Shabbat and you're not going to push that button. So you walk into the lobby, you walk up to the elevator, and you stand there and wait because this elevator runs automatically. And eventually it'll come to the first floor. The doors will open, you'll walk on. You'll get inside, the doors will close, and if you're on the 20th floor, it'll go to the first floor. And it'll stop. The doors are open, whether there's somebody there or not. The doors will close. It'll go to the second floor. Doors open. Doors right on up to the 20th floor. Can you imagine? I, there's no way I could do that. I don't have the patience to stay on an elevator for like 20 floors. I would probably just take the stairs unless they told me that was work too, right? Well, even by the time Jesus came along, this was getting out of hand. 
And the Pharisees defined all these different rules. And Jesus used to go around and around and around and around with the Pharisees. And I want to tell you one story this morning related to Shabbat, where Jesus went around with the Pharisees. It's found in Mark chapter 2. You know, Mark, there are four books written about Jesus when he was on earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We call those the Gospels. The second one, Mark, um, there's a story that's pretty fascinating. This is Mark chapter 2, and here's verse 23. One Sabbath day... As Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off the heads of grain to eat. Okay, picture that. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Now, you see what's going on here? Um, Obviously, the Pharisees had this law, no harvesting on the Sabbath. Jesus' disciples are walking along. Apparently, they're hungry, so there's breaking off the heads of grain, and they're eating eating them as they go. And you get the idea that the Pharisees were walking around following Jesus and the disciples, just waiting to trip them up, right? It's like a little kid ready to tell on his older brother, oh, you ate on the Sabbath, you worked, you know, that kind of thing. That's the feel you get here. So I love how Jesus responds to them. Verse 25, Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Now, here's what's going on here. Jesus is taking a shot at the Pharisees. He's trash-talking them. I don't know that I saw Jesus in this light when I was younger, But this is a pretty condescending thing to say to these guys. And here's why. The Pharisees consider themselves the experts in the law. They studied the scriptures. They were the scholars in the scriptures. They memorized the scriptures. Their whole existence revolved around the scriptures. And Jesus says to them, have you guys not ever read the scriptures? I mean, the ultimate insult to these guys. I mean, if If they had laughing out loud emojis back then, there would be one in the Bible right after Jesus said that. There really would be, the way he's talking to them. Haven't you ever read the Scriptures? Now, he talks about King David, and a perfect example. King David um, was it in the eyes of the Pharisees. He was like, you know, the top dog, the king of Israel. They just revered him. And What Jesus is pointing out to them is, hey, one time when David was running for his life and King Saul, he went into the house of God. It was the Sabbath. or It it wasn't necessarily Sabbath, but they they were these bread that had been consecrated and anointed just for those who were in the house of God, but they were starving to death, and they ate them. And Jesus' point is, look, if you're hungry, it's okay to eat. You guys are hung up on the letter of the law. You've totally forgotten the spirit of the law. What he's saying is to the Pharisees, you've totally missed the point. You have the completely wrong focus. A number of years ago, um, I was speaking here at the Ridge, and um, I told a story about Rick Pitino, the coach of Louisville. He was the coach of Louisville at the time. And um, on a Sunday, Louisville played in an NCAA regional basketball tournament game in Indianapolis, and they won, which meant they were going to go to the Final Four. Well, on that Sunday, um, one of his players had a gruesome 
leg injury, broke his leg. I mean, I, I'll spare you the details, but if you saw it, some of you may remember, it was, it was unbelievable to watch the way he broke his leg. Well, I think the team flew back to Louisville from Indianapolis on Sunday, but Rick Pitino and some of his coaching staff stayed overnight because the player was in the hospital. Um, well, on Monday, apparently they were headed back to Louisville from Indianapolis, and they drove, and they stopped in Edinburgh at the Ruby Tuesday to eat lunch. I just happened to be meeting a friend of mine at the Ruby Tuesday in Edinburgh for lunch that day. And we're sitting there, and I look across the room, and I say to my friend, that's Rick Pitino. We had just seen him on TV Sunday. And uh, I got up and went up to the salad bar. Rick Pitino went right through the salad bar with me. Couldn't believe it. Well, I told that story in church. That next week, I got an email from someone who had attended here on Sunday, who told me that I should not be telling a story about Rick Pitino because he lacked character and integrity. I remember thinking, what? You know, I, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I did say he was a great coach, which he was. I mean, his record proved that. His team was going to the Final Four. But I never said he was a person of great moral character. I never said he was a good role model for his players. I never said he was a good husband or father. None of that. I just said I walked through a salad bar line with him at Ruby Tuesday. In fact, my point was that even though I went through the salad bar with him, I really didn't know him. And I remember thinking when I got that email, you totally missed the point. Probably just a Kentucky fan, you know. <laughs> if I remember correctly, Kentucky did not even make the tournament that year. Oh. You know what? <laughs> if you still attend the Ridge and you remember that you were the one who sent me that email, please don't be offended because I have no idea. I don't remember. I don't have a clue who sent me that email. I really don't. If you take issue with it, just email me at reedchapman at theridge.org. <laughs> That's Reed Chapman. If you need me to spell it, I will. At theridge.org. They're not going to invite me to speak here anymore, are they? <laughs> but I just remember thinking... You totally missed the point. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was thinking about the Pharisees. They completely missed the point. It was all about do's and don'ts. There is a purpose to the Sabbath, but it's a completely different purpose than they had in mind. So, let's see how this concludes. We'll go on in verse 27. It says, Then Jesus said to them, and this is the purpose, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. There's the point of the Sabbath or Shabbat. It's to meet the needs of people. It's not about a bunch of man-made requirements. It's not about proving how spiritual or religious you are by keeping this list of rules. And did you notice Jesus concluded by saying that he was Lord of the Sabbath? That means that he makes the rules even for the Sabbath. Well, if we were to keep reading, we would see that the very next story that's recorded in Mark is about Jesus still on the Sabbath. He's in the synagogue now, and there's a guy in there with a deformed hand. 
And Jesus looks at him, and he's ready to heal this guy. And sure enough, the Pharisees are looking on, and Jesus knows what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, you can't heal him on the Sabbath. That would be work. Don't even think about it. And you're thinking, really? So Jesus asks them a very perceptive question. He says, am I permitted to do good on the Sabbath? Or do I have to follow your dumb rules? That's my paraphrase, by the way. I don't think it says that, even though I think Jesus was thinking it. And you know, if you kept reading, you would see that the Pharisees began to plot to kill Jesus. Wouldn't the fact that you could actually heal a guy's deformed hand be enough to convince you that he actually is Lord of the Sabbath? So what is the purpose of the Sabbath? It's to stop. It's to end. It's to cease what you're doing. It's to rest. And like we said, God actually did that right from the very beginning to set an example for us. Um, You've probably heard the term sabbatical. Because right now, Adam Johnson, the lead pastor here at the Ridge, is taking a sabbatical. I'm so glad, so glad he is able to do that. I've been the lead pastor. And I know how draining that can be. It can just suck the life out of you. So it's so important that he has this sabbatical, these few weeks to step away, to stop, to end, to cease his normal activities of ministry and to rest in order to be able to restore his soul. Well, you know, our culture is quite a bit different than it was when Jesus was on earth. It's quite a bit different than it was back in the Old Testament even. So, how does the Sabbath apply to us today? So what I want to do, I want to just put it into our world, this whole idea of the Sabbath. Because there's a principle underlying the purpose of the Sabbath that I think um, very much applies to us even today. So, let's look at that purpose from our perspective. Now, you may be asking the question, Am I supposed to be observing the Sabbath? And my response to that would be, well, it depends on what you mean by that. The, you know, letter of the law, sundown Friday, sundown Saturday. No, I don't think so. But the principle underlying the Sabbath, absolutely. We still need to be doing that. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, a lot of people called Sunday the Lord's Day, and they would say, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy and so you weren't supposed to do things like even play golf, go swimming, that kind of thing. And I don't know that that is really the intent of the Sabbath, although I think we've lost a lot of that intent today. And so we could gain something by thinking about that again. But am I supposed to observe it? Not the strict sense of it. In fact, um, Paul said in Colossians 2.16, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for celebrating certain holy days, or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. Uh, we have that freedom to apply this principle in a way that it works for us. But what I want to do, taking, looking at it from the perspective of it's designed to meet the needs of the people, um, I want to look at the purpose of the Sabbath. I want to give you three purposes that will apply to all of us that we can use in terms of um, observing the Sabbath. And here's the first purpose. It's this. Rest restores your soul. Remember, the Sabbath is about stopping or ceasing or ending your normal activities and about resting. That's what the word 
even means. Do, do you know that we have a mental health crisis in America today? Since COVID, anxiety disorders are up 45%. Depression is up 50%. Divorce inquiries have increased 122%. If there was ever a time we needed to restore our souls. It's today. Um, when I was the, the lead pastor here, um, I would take Fridays off because I, I worked Saturdays and Sundays, so Friday was my day off. And I did a pretty good job of stepping away from what I did here. I, I guarded that pretty well, and so I, did, I tried to stay away from ministry or things related to the church on Friday. Um, but I had a lot of energy, and so what I did on Friday, I was doing a lot of household projects. Um, I spent time with my family. Almost all I spent time with my kids on Friday and so on. What I did not really do a good job of was resting to restore my soul. And I think if I had to do it over, I would rethink that a little bit. So that's one purpose. Um, here's another purpose. Rest, build your relationships with family and friends when you take that time to step away and just focus on your relationships. You know, if you were to go to Israel today and observe how they observe the Sabbath, you would find that come Friday about sundown, they usually start with a service. And then they, the family and friends, as they gather, um, they usually have a meal. It's a very leisurely, festive meal followed by some rituals that reinforce why they're doing what they're doing. The next day, they have another service. The next morning, it'd be Saturday morning for us. They have another service, that followed by another meal. There's usually a reading from the Torah, which is kind of the equivalent of our Bible. And they do that every seven days. Is it any wonder that perhaps their families are closer than ours? when it's built right into the calendar? Okay, then another purpose of the Sabbath. Rest connects you with God. Show me someone who had the hectic pace, who's going 24-7, and I'll show you someone who really can't connect all that well with God. That's just the way it is. You have to slow down. There are no shortcuts to this. And that's why I think it's woven into the fabric of the Bible. That's why you see it in the Ten Commandments. That's why Jesus talked about it, how it meets the needs of people. Well, I want to narrow it down even more, okay? And look at it from this perspective. What do you do on the Sabbath? Um, and the three points I'm going to give you here are going to parallel the three points I just gave you, but this gets really specific. And uh, what do you do on the Sabbath? Well, here's the first one. Take time for yourself. Um, ask yourself the question, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to cease doing so that I can rest? And what distractions do I need to remove from my life? Here's one. This thing right here, right? What if you took a Sabbath from your phone or social media or media in general or video games? Yes, I actually said that. Could you do it? You know how we watch TV today? Like this. You know how we ride in a car? Like this. You know how we eat supper? Like this. You know how we take a walk? Like this. 
What is it that's distracting you from focusing on what you ought to focus on? Take a Sabbath. See, stop doing that. And for you, maybe it's not a phone. Maybe it's something else. The idea is what do you need to remove from your life? You know that it said that 46% of people in America now have anxiety over what they're going to stream when they sit down to watch something. Almost one out of two people because there are like 817,000 choices now for streaming. There was ever a time we needed to take a Sabbath for ourselves, I think it might be now. Okay, next, take time for others, for family, for friends. You know, I think the Jewish people and this idea of the Sabbath and them practicing it, they're onto something there, aren't they? And then finally, take time for God. Now, I would encourage you to do this daily. I mean, even if it's only 5, 10, 15 minutes a day, where you just read your Bible, you meditate, that's just the big word for think about what you've read, and you pray. Um, If you're not doing that, great way to get going, get part of the Ridge Reading Challenge. Go to the app, the Ridge app, check it out, and I think it's First Kings right now, you can start doing that right now. Um, After I retired, I decided to do this three-year read-through-the-Bible plan. I just downloaded it from the YouVersion app. And so I'm reading through the Bible in three years, and I love the pace of it. It's about a chapter a day. And it's just been refreshing to be able to do this. It's the first thing I do um, when I get up in the morning. It's not the first thing I do, okay? First thing I do is go to the bathroom, all right? Second thing I do is start the coffee pot. The third thing I do is this. I know that's too much information for you, but um, just know it's a priority for me, and I love it, and um, something you should consider. But then on a Sabbath, what can you do to extend that time where you connect with God? Um, Is it a walk? Maybe you just pray? Is it sitting by a lake? Is it going out for a car ride and not turning the radio on and putting your you put your phone away, something like that, the listening to worship music. It can be different for you than it could be for me or someone else. But the idea is, what can you do on that day to really connect with God? Well, I'm a realist, and I know that by tomorrow, most of you are going to have forgotten what I said today. In fact, many of you are going to forget by the time you walk out the door this morning. So I thought maybe it would be a good idea to help reinforce what we said this morning with an object lesson. Um, Do you guys remember the slogan for Kit Kat bars, the phrase they use, give me a break? Yeah, wouldn't that be a great way to remember that we need to take a Sabbath? We need a break from our normal activities, give me a break. Do you remember that jingle that was really catchy? I'm going to sing it. I'm going to ask you to sing along with me. All right, so let's sing it. Here we go. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Hey, thank you. I thought you might leave me hanging on that. Appreciate you singing along with me. Well, I thought I probably ought to just hand out a few Kit Kat bars just to remind you to give me a break. Here you go. Now, you know, you can break that in half. So there you go. Okay, if you're asleep, wake up, because I'm going to start throwing these, and I don't want to hit anybody, all right? And you can reach up and grab them if you need to. It's okay. 
Heads up, I'm throwing them pretty fast. <laughs> Somebody wasn't looking. Oh, oh, I thought you caught that, huh? Oh, don't worry, I'll get some over to this side. I'll get some over to this side too. Maybe. Here we go. Oh, they keep spinning. There we go. Somebody wasn't paying attention. I won't call out names, but they have a mask on. Okay. Don't worry, I'll, I'll hear about that later. <laughs> couple more, couple more, because if I, these are like Lay's, remember the Lay's potato chip slogan, you can't eat just one? I'm like that way with Kit Kat bars, I don't know if you are, so I'm getting rid of all of them. Sorry, I tried. <laughs> That's it, box is empty. All right, give me a break. Can you remember that? Give me a break. That's the principle behind the Sabbath. God gave us the Sabbath for our benefit. Try it. You might be surprised how it could change your life. Let's pray. God, how I thank you for um, how you're always looking out for our best interests, even when we don't realize it. Thank you for giving us this principle of the Sabbath where we can step back and rest, remove from our daily routine or activities, and that you scheduled that for us one out of every seven days. And my prayer is that each of us would just be more intentional about that so that uh, we could see what a difference it would make in our lives. And as I said, thank you for looking out for our best interests, and um, most of all, we, we look to the cross where Jesus died for us, and certainly that's the prime example of how you looked out for our best interests, and we thank you so much for that. We love you, and as we wrap things up this morning, we just want to worship you. We just want to express to you how much you mean to us for doing that for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.